turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab other friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth, trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to his throne. alone that's faith alone our glory to god because that's his alone since the land's been slain we can each belong the lord is my strength my peace and my song and i'll lay it all down at the feet of his throne so relax got a still in control he knows every care every village you hold he knows every hair every need for your soul nothing new around here this story's been told bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to his throne bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 451. Everything's bigger in Texas except for our book budget. My name is Caleb Hegg. <laughs> nice one. This is Rob Vanoff, and I was thinking we should call this Burn the Books because 451, baby. Ray Bradbury, 451. Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. Which is where books are forbidden. Uh-huh. Which, because of my connected brain, did you ever see the yes. book of Eli with Denzel? Yes, of course. Yeah. So in the end, you find out, like, spoiler alert, as well, it's like 20 years old, but spoiler alert, he's blind the whole time. And yeah. what's he been listening to on his iPod the whole time? The Bible. The Bible. The Bible. Mm-hmm. And he, he lays down and then he recites the Bible from memory at the end. Why? Because books are banned. But what's cool is that 
doesn't matter whether books are banned or not because God wants us to internalize his word, right? That's what's, that's why he gave it. He gave it so that we would meditate upon it day and night, like it says in, you know, Joshua one, Psalm one. Right. Yeah. Psalm 119, open my eyes that I will behold the wonders of your Torah. I love Pat. You know, it's, those were verses that like were, wow, it's really okay to like the Torah. <laughs> Not according you to know? what we're going to listen to today. Um, Rob and I have been uh, hanging out together. Not on yeah. screens, but in person down in Texas. It was a good time. Also it? with the, with the MG and the TH. That's right. We had on, walking on the river walk. Beautiful. It was a good time. And uh, if you didn't notice, we were gone for two weeks. We thought it was only going to be one, but then we got back and there was just no way. There was just no way to try to put together a show, you know, in that amount of time. So we just skipped it because, you know, we're in charge of this show and we can do that anyway. So. But we're going to make it up to you today. It, it, I don't know. I don't know about forgotten. I don't know about that. Um, okay. <laughs> well, we did have a good time down there. Now let's talk for a few seconds. Some people want to run down to this. Before we jump into the rundown, let's do this. Seahagatorresource.com. Uh, if you have any uh, comments, questions, whatever, you go ahead and uh, email them there. Seahagatorresource.com. You can also shoot us an, uh, a voice mail. Won't talk to us. You'll just talk to an answer machine, which means you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, uh, agree with us, disagree with us, whatever. It doesn't really matter. You can tell us whatever you want. 253-465-3205. That's 253-465-3205. Also, you can go to messiahmatters.com. Uh, and I, I do want to say this. Uh, we have some producers who have jumped in in the fall. Man, I really slacked uh, in the fall getting the producer credits up. They're going to hang all the way through uh, the winter. So uh, your name will still appear on the credits in the winter if you have uh, gotten a producer credit. So I apologize for that. We will have- Unless you producer. call and cancel and say, yeah, you guys, I'm done with you guys. I, I don't want Please to be on don't there include anymore. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, you have to opt out. <laughs> I, I do want to say this. We will have a show rollover, so it won't be the 6th. It'll be the week after the 6th is when we will start season 11. If you want to be a part, if you want to be a uh, producer for season 11, we'll have our producership up probably in the next week. So keep your eyes open for that. Don't go buy a producership right now unless you want the fall mug or the fall merchandise for the producer credit. Do it in about a week. I'll let you know next week when it's up. Finally. So you're saying we have one more there's one more episode for season 10. That is correct. Wow. We got to, we got to really, uh, we should plan for that one. Yeah. We're going to shave Rob's head for that. Uh, anyway, this show is produced by uh, TorahResource.com. Go there for all sorts of Hanukkah stuff. Uh, we do have some, uh, some materials on Hanukkah. If you'd like to go there, if you don't celebrate Hanukkah, uh, because you've never heard of it or you just haven't been interested, well, maybe uh, go check it out. If you're one of those people who thinks that it's wrong to celebrate Hanukkah, then uh, just study more. All right. And finally, uh, go ahead and subscribe to this uh, YouTube channel. It really does help us. I know that sounds weird. And if you're already subscribed, go ahead and click that like button. Okay. Now that that's all over, let's do, let's do, a, let's do a quick rundown. Quick rundown. We flew down to San Antonio. It was the entire tour resource a team. Uh, we stayed in uh, we stayed in a very nice hotel, uh, and we we stay in the uh, we stayed in the Hyatt, and we did that because the conferences were essentially in the Hyatt. And uh, through past experiences, I've been going to the ETS and SBL meetings since two thousand six. Through past experiences, we have learned it's better to spend the extra money 
and be at where the conference actually is then to rent a hotel offsite. And the reason why is because we go back up to the room. Each person goes back up to the room probably five or six times throughout the day just to try to like sit down for a second, reset, whatever. It's nice to be able to, you know, just press a button and go up. It's worth the money. I trust me. Anyway, so that's where we were. It was great. It was right on the river walk. It was beautiful, but none of that really mattered. It could have been in a horrible location and it still would have been just as fruitful. I will talk about, uh, let's see here. I will talk about the two things that were beneficial to me and then I will kick it over to Rob. Does that sound fair? Or do you want to go first? Go for it. Okay. So there's a scholar that I see every single year at the ETS. He has quickly become my, now Dr. Kaiser wasn't there this year. He hasn't been there in many, in what, three or four years. I think he's retired now. And so we don't see him anymore. Um, and there are others who are, uh, who don't no longer come, but Walter Kaiser was always the, the, the person to see at the ETS. And if you don't know what the ETS is, it stands for Evangelical Theological Society. Um, so Dr. Uh, Daniel Block is always a favorite to go yeah, watch. For, the, for those who are uh, the at Sefer, it's not ETS. So if you're looking yeah. for, uh, dad, you're jokes. looking for all of top, don't come to ETS. It's not ETS. Okay. So. Anyway, back to the task at hand. Uh, Daniel Block <laughs> is always a, a favorite. However, I was, I was more, uh, I was more uh, taken with Roy Gain and his uh, and his uh, his first paper. Now, both Roy Gain and uh, and uh, Doctor Daniel Block presented two papers at the ETS this year, and. Um, they were attended very well. The first one that Roy Gain did, Dr. Gain presented on, now it was called something else. However, it was essentially on the most difficult laws of Torah and how to view these as Christians. And uh, I say as Christians, but honestly, I think that uh, it was really more just to say they're not necessarily what you think. Uh, he talked about things like stoning a uh, rebellious son. He talked about things like, uh, oh man, um, oh, uh, marrying a, like if a man rapes a, a, a girl, the father has the right to, the, to make him marry her. And why would that ever be a law? So things like this, thing, things that uh, I think a lot of the time we think about and uh, we wonder what in the world's going on. Well, uh, Dr. Gain uh, addressed all of those. And it, it, it was really, a, it, uh, it was the best paper I think I saw on the entire trip. Uh, it was very good. And uh, uh, Dr. Gain has a, a way of, of mixing uh, good, really good scholarship with uh, the right amount of humor. Um, and then, of course, at the SBL, I was uh, woefully uh, underwhelmed with the SBL simply because of the amount of wokeness that has crept up in the, uh, not only in the, in the papers and, and everything, but also in the book display. Um, with that said, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this real quick and then I'll, and then I'll pass it over to you. And then I'll, I'll, I'll talk later about uh, what I found beneficial at the SBL. The difference between the ETS and, and SBL, the SBL standing for the Society of Biblical Literature, the difference between these two uh, conferences, the ETS, I would say, is a place for uh, seminary teachers, seminary students to come, and the older, that is the teachers and the people who have been there for a long time, are presenting papers essentially showing students 
this is how you do theological work. And this is how you present a good theological paper on whatever you're interested in. And Sometimes I wonder if it's also, this is how you dress. This is what kind of yeah, haircut you need to have. Exactly. These are the kinds of shoes you need to wear. Uh, absolutely. I, they're, they're, they're attempting to bring up the new guard. And at the same time, what you, ha what you have is you have seminary students coming in and they are uh, presenting papers as well. And their teachers and the, and the wider theological community is able to ask them questions, push on them, sharpen them, and get them ready to be the new guard, essentially. That's how I see the ETS. SBL is not that. SBL is the highest uh, scholarship in a very specific field. It's going to be the highest scholarship in that field. So if you have, if you want to do if studies in like, well, I mean, something, my field of study is extremely well, it's geek land. Like it's extreme it's geek, geek, land, geek yeah. land in any number of focused areas. Go ahead. Right. Geek. So, so if you want to uh, be a geek and talk about Midrash the whole time, like Rob, or the Masoretic markings in a specific passage, there is a whole session just on that for you. If you want to be like me. And they're watching, they're like, I'm going to see if this guy's on. Like, like cause they all know, right? Every, yeah. They all know the same stuff. Or like me, for you, it's like you went to meals, right? And yeah. you're like Greco-Roman meals. People are like, why are you interested in Greco-Roman meals? Well, I get the same thing every single time. So if I tell people at, that, are, that don't go to SBL, so the people be like, so what are you excited for at the SBL? Well, I, I'm going to go to an entire two days filled with lectures on nothing else except for meals in the Greco-Roman era. And they're like, there's sessions on meals in the Greco-Roman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, when I get there, people be like, so what's your focus of study? I'm like, meals in the Greco-Roman era. And they're like, oh, great. You know, there's a great paper that I saw. You know, like people know they'll dive into it. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of the difference. Okay, Rob, go. I agreed with. I, now I didn't see the first papers by Block and is it Gain? Gains or Gain? Gain. I think it's Gains. But We're I saw the gain, second but, two, yeah. and th there was a great session. This was at ETS, so it was Doctor. You know, Dan, it was Block Gains, and then one of the others is uh, she's a professor at uh, Gordon Gordon Cronwell. What's the Conway, Gordon Cromwell, yeah. um, Dr. Christine Palmer, talking about the Mishkan, the tabernacle. Oh, it was awesome. They were all really um, well done. And um, so th that was really great. I, I kind of wanted to share some complaints. Oh, please. Well, I was really disappointed. I went to one of Dr. Aberbe Aberbeck's paper on Covenant. I thought, wow, this is great. And in the end, he, yeah, he pulls the Galatians or, or no, Ephesians that, well, but now that the middle wall of partition is broken down, um, the food laws sep separating Jews and Gentiles no longer is there. And so, so basically, you know, God was holding a holy space for a while. Um, but then he broke down that wall so the pork eaters could all come in and take over. Um, so God abdicated his holiness so that the pork eaters could take over. Um, that's my, that's my, uh, kind of, uh, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I saw that. Same, that's, uh, that's my kind of, uh, 
take on it, but that's what he said. He, he totally, and I'm like, wow. I mean, like, like Tim Haig's commentary, this is what I'm thinking on Ephesians has been around 25 years. I don't know, 20, 25 years. I mean, it's pretty well known. He's given a paper on the, that passage in Ephesians at ETS, right? but it shows that there can be such a strong, a, a strong ingrained um, just presupposition that is in streams of Christianity that they, that, you know, even someone who's gone detail by detail to bring clarity to a passage, it doesn't necessarily just stick, you know, well, the like thing, where Yeshua says, hey, you know, hey, the seed, they throw the seed on the, on the ground and a raven comes and takes it away kind of thing. The the weird the the worst part about that whole thing was that a- Averback just wrote a book the old test the old testament laws for Christians or so, or for the church or something like that. I have I literally have it right there. I could go look. But the, the point is is that Averback should know better. And Aver and Averback is I I consider Averback an acquaintance um and you know he's he's always very generous. He's in, yeah. Oh, he's a and, and to he's be a fair, wonderful person. He's not a New Testament scholar, right? He's not he's not a Greek scholar. He's not. He, so it's like a person who reads the the Tanakh in Hebrew, and he's engaged with a lot of Jewish scholarship as well in Hebrew. But then when it comes to a New Testament quote, he just grabs like the NIV or something and slaps <laughs> it on there. And I'm like, I'm like. Dude, it reminds me of like the old jo- the old joke of like you know you you uh, you measure with a micrometer, you mark it with chalk, and then you cut it with an axe. It's like you we want to have just weights and measures, right? Weights and measures. Uh, another disappointing one was a, a scholar hey, who well, I really hey, hey, oh go hold, ahead hold hold real quick on that. You know, a- Averbeck presented that paper, and we and I think even you had told the guys next to you, like, dude, Averbeck's great. You're gonna love this. Oh, there were oh yeah. During the morning uh, devotional time, I <laughs> I met two guys, two young guys. They were excited to be there. I said, "Come sit with us," which was great, by the way, because your dad's there, and he's totally, you know, he's rapping to fill in and everything in front of, which I thought was wonderful. Um, but anyway, these two young guys are like, Oh, I get it. Oh, that's really cool. You know? And, and so I, I, they they were wondering, well, what paper are you going to go to first? I said, you got to go to Averback. Yeah. Oh, well, and, they, and they both told me, well, we had some other papers we were interested in, but since you're vetting it and I was just like, Oh, so I had these two guys come in and then I left after that first paper. I was the, like, uh, the two guys I think stayed. And the thing is, is that the paper after Averbeck was Roy Gain and it is Gain. It's not Gaines. Roy Gain. Okay. So good. So they and stayed. That, um, I mean, that hit, I mean, he hit the, he, he hit a home run on that, <laughs> on that paper. And I actually was looking, I have the, I got up from my desk to go look for it because I actually had, he get, Gain figured out, I think two years ago, he figured out if I like people want my whole paper. So he has started printing out his entire paper. And then what he does is he hands it out and then he and then he uh then he just reads through it and people can ask questions. Perfect. It's great. Anyway, so so yeah, Averbeck straight into gain. It was and gain redeemed the entire session. Good. good. Uh, and and well, I didn't realize I didn't I didn't realize this, but gain is actually a, I I'm fairly confident now. I didn't know this until this conference, but gain, I believe, is a seventh-day Adventist. 
So he's a Sabbath keeper and uh, beyond other things. And uh, so it's interesting to see such, such uh, you know, dynamite scholarship come from somebody who is advocating for, the, uh, for at least parts of the law to be upheld by Christians. Anyway, okay, keep going. Yeah, that that's great. And so um so I'm glad to hear that 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 happened. But yeah, there were two other papers done by both Gaines and and Block and and also Christine Palmer that were just really really great. But at SBL, you know, I went to one of these Paul and Judaism sessions and there it's just like it is just a mess. Like they are struggling to talk about Paul, like they don't they understand Paul. Yeah. They haven't understood Paul for 20 plus years that they've been selling books about Paul and Judaism and all this stuff. You had uh, Paula Fredrickson and Mark Nanos and uh, Matt, Matthew Thiessen, um, Matthew Novinson. And so all the heavy hitters. Or some of the others. Um, you know, I did. See, so one of the scholars who's they did a book review, uh, Jason Staples who I like his book on the idea of Israel, which was Cambridge University, I think maybe last year or the year before, but he's got a new book that's not out yet, but it's something about Israel or in the resurrection of Israel. Paul, I think it's something like Paul, non-Jews and the resurrection of Israel. And I'm like, okay. Plus Chris Tilling was giving a response. He was one of the responders. Yes. So I'm like, I'll go listen to it. Even if you don't agree with Tilling, that dude is freaking yeah. hilarious. He is so oh, yeah, yeah. He's funny. funny. Oh my gosh, yeah, he, he's funny. He, he brought in some really good uh, humor, little here and there. Oh my word. I, but yeah, he's basically, he, if, they if were, you get the they chance. Were talking about this guy. So then at the end, you know, you suffer through, I don't know, five different scholars talking about it, uh, of this guy's book. And then you have um, the author comes up and goes, hey, thank you, you know, everybody for your feedback. But basically, he argues. That so some of the pivotal verses were like in Galatians three nineteen where it says why then the Torah it was added for the sake of transgression so so you have that and he takes that to mean and this new book is gonna that that there um, that it was because like the people needed the Torah as like a remedy for sin. Or something like that. It was it was weird. It was like, um, and, and the parallel he used was circumcision. He says that the reason uh, Abraham was given the covenant of circumcision, we, because he said because of the sin with Hagar. So in other words, it's almost as he didn't say this, but it's almost as if if. If Hagar, if the Hagar Ishmael event never happened, Abraham would never have gotten circumcised. And you know, this this kind of argument comes up too, even in the medieval rabbis when they talk about the Day of Atonement. They there are rabbis that teach that the reason that you have the Day of Atonement is because of the golden calf incident. So, in other words, Moses had this revelation on Mount Sinai. He gets gets interrupted because of the golden calf, he comes down. And then therefore, because of that, now there has to be. So in other words, there's law. The idea is that laws are added on because of certain sins. Right. And I reject that outright. I absolutely right. reject that. Circumcision is a covenant. Right. Right. It's a covenant. Yep. 
It's not, it's not a response. It's not a second thought. It's, it's not a re- an afterthought. It's, it's just like, it's, a it's reflection. like Jesus is not a second thought. It's a reflection of God, of who God is. Exactly. And so this was, this is where I start like kind of, you know, bubbling and I'm like, uh. um, but anyway, so, so there's just stuff like that, you know, that, that it's like, wow, you know, we're still there, you know, we're, there's still, and I, you know, the, the, I don't know, what do you call that? The, not the skeptic, but the, pe- the person who's kind of assumes the bad story is that these guys make bank on selling books. Like every year they come out with new books on Paul and Judaism, the Jewish background to Paul, Paul, the Jew. And they feature these books in prominent places in the, in the book displays. They're on sale, you know, and they, they are promoting the authors. And you know what? Every year you can depend on going and there's going to be more books about Paul and the law. And they're not going to be telling you that <laughs> that the that the law is a covenant for all time for God's people. They're, right? They all tell you the same bottom thing is that, and this is where I think there's a political and financial aspect. They push, they promote what I think is the like the Kinzer Messianic Jew, Judaism line that the the Torah is for Jews. And Paul, what who Paul was, was trying to say, you know, trying to make a place, make a safe place for Gentiles while not letting them, but while not telling them the Torah was for them. And so all they do every year is get more and more creative ways of, of painting the same picture of Paul, which is Paul that has some sort of divided people. There's the people of Israel, and then there's the nations of the world. And, and they're not one people. They're not one covenant people. I think, so I think you have a point when it comes to the publishers. However, I have been very, very hesitant. And even I push back on the, on the notion and the idea that, uh, the authors themselves are writing these books, uh, for, for financial gain. I mean, clearly they, they want financial gain out of it, obviously, that they're writing books. But I am more convinced that the people have essentially been brainwashed, as it were, by the, by the standard Christian uh, take. They're, it's, like the, it's just like the Catholics in the Reformation. No matter how much scripture you show them, no matter what you ta- teach them, no matter what, they're going to say, "No, this is not this is not the the story that we have accepted. It's not the accepted. It's not the accepted narrative. We go by the accepted narrative." And so, you know, it's just like the Mormons too. You try to talk to you try to evangelize a Mormon. I I am convinced there is nothing but the direct working of the Holy Spirit that will ever change a person's mind out of Mormonism. And the reason why is because they have been conditioned and brainwashed from day one that this is the truth. And all you need is the feelings. And if you have the feelings and you feel good about it, then then that's what it is. It's the same kind of thing in Christianity. 
We have this narrative that we have been pushing for 2,000 years and get behind it. And if you don't get behind it, you're a heretic. And we're going to hear about that in just a second. Let's go to the chat room real quick. Johnny asks, have you guys ever thought of having a booth at ETS? No. And the reason, I'll give you the, the reasons why. Number one, 90% of our catalog is done by my father, Tim Hag. And so um, nobody wants a booth where there is one sole author. What they want is a booth with multiple, multiple offers, uh, authors so that uh, people can see different different takes, okay? So that, that right there would not be uh, appealing to uh, most people at ETS. But the main reason is, is because we've seen what happens when Messianic Jewish companies attempt to come into the ETS. Uh, you, uh, FFOZ had a booth. First of all, it costs $3,000 to have just the smallest booth that you possibly can at the ETS. Um, FFOZ came in. They, I, I don't know if they, I don't know what the thought pattern was behind it, but they were selling their book on the Didache which they sold a copy of at the ETS. My father bought a copy of it at the ETS. But the, but the point is, is that they bought this booth for $3,000. They sat there and really there was not a whole lot of, uh, it's evangelicals. They don't, nobody cares about the messianic view. Now, the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say is this, there is an acceptance among evangelicals of messianic Judaism, unlike Torah observance. Now, what I mean by that is if I say, I think that the Torah is for Jew and Gentile alike, and that the Jews and Gentiles should both be king of the law today, I will get huge pushback on that. However, if I say, well, I'm a Messianic, you know, I'm part of a Messianic Jewish company, or, you know, you'll probably see my father, he has a yarmulke on, the Messianic Jew walking around. Everybody's like, oh, great. Love you guys. So I don't know what the thought pattern is there. Probably the idea of like, well, we keep it for we keep that like Messianic Jews keep the Torah for heritage or for identity's sake or what, I, I don't know. I don't know what the evangelical thought is when we say I work for a Messianic Jewish company. I have no clue what the thought pattern is, but there's an acceptance of Messianic Judaism, whereas the idea of Torah observance for believers is totally rejected. Um, so no, Johnny asked, so the only way you can have uh, your paper heard is if you're selected, kind of. Basically what happens is, is there's a call for papers uh, right around January. You send in your paper. If you have never presented a paper at the ETS before you, or the SBL, you have to send the whole paper in. So you have to write the entire paper first and then they will look at the paper. They will see if it's scholarly enough, all those kind of things. It doesn't matter if it's controversial. That's That's not... They don't care about that. In fact, maybe they like that even a little bit more. Um, but you would write but your they, paper. They do want it because you don't just submit it generally. You, you submit a paper to a specific session that right. has in their call for papers, like Caleb was talking about, a theme with like, this is the specific topic. So it has to, you have to engage with what they're talking about. Um, and there is for, a Messianic Jewish section at the ETS, which we avoid like the plague. We really don't like the Messianic Jewish section at the ETS, but there is a Messianic Jewish section at the ETS. Now, what they talk about is usually uh, uh, things like how the Torah is not relevant for anyone today or how we should be evangelizing the Jews or, you know, it's, there's, there's, that's why we avoid it. It's not because, it's not because we're avoiding Messianic Jews. It's because it, we really don't find the papers to be of benefit. It's not the kind of scholarship we're looking for. So anyway, well, and 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 also, it, there's always a clamoring kind of, and there's like there's a catalog, right? You get an ETS catalog, you get an SBL catalog. 
you have to pick between good papers to go to. Right. So even if there is a possible good paper to, and these are advertising in advance where you can see the title, you can see who's giving it. Sometimes online they, they give you a little over paragraph about what it is. And, you know, we're there and we, you know, our aim is to get the best edification and update on scholarship that we can while we're right. there. So that we, and it is uplifting, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, we could move on. Somebody asked, what is Messiah Matters' take on Rico Cortez teaching on the temple? I don't listen to Rico Cortez. He rejects the, uh, he rejects the Trinity outright. He is wishy-washy on the deity of Christ. He will not say that uh, Yeshua is yod heh and therefore I don't listen to anything that he has to say, and I will not listen to his teachings. I, yeah, I've talked I, to... I, I, also, someone told me recently that, remember we did a we did a mystery science, or mystery Bible theater on the the uh, the letter C look yeah. in the 666 and right. how it looks like, uh, you know, Arabic, if you just squint and hold it in the right light, you know. Um that he was, he's like an advocate of that crazy position. So yeah, I don't, I don't recommend anybody to go to that guy. I don't know a lot about him, but it's like, Rico and I have, have talked on, is like uh, flag, flag, flag. Yeah. Rico and I have talked on, on multiple occasions. Uh, Rico continues to associate with people that I outright re think should be rejected. The notion that he would uh, tour with someone like Joseph Good is baffling to me, but with his theology, I guess it works. Um, so let's move. We received a email from someone saying that there is a new response to a, um, hang on just a sec. Okay, so that there was a, uh, that there was a video with a new response on Matthew 5, 17 and following. And uh, we uh, we took a look at it, we clipped it. And here's the thing is that for time's sake, I took this, the first clip is actually at the beginning of this video and I will give everyone the appropriate, it's on the YouTube channel. Oh, actually, hang on, pause. I can't go into this yet. We have to mention that there we have a couple new uh, executive producers. First of all, someone sent in an executive pro producership for their baby. Um, and in the spirit of the two turtle doves that were supposed to be brought to the temple, she uh, wanted to uh, donate a, a producership for her new daughter. So Michelle is in our uh, producership now. Thank you very much. The baby's name is Michelle. And so that's why if you see our, our producership um, and it just says Michelle, that's who we're talking about. Also, and I think if, if I remember correctly, I think Michelle was born during Sukkot, during yeah, Tabernacles, yes, which yes, I thought correct. was like really special. It's really cool. Right. So very cool. And then uh, my good friend Ben, Ben Oliver, has become a producer as well. I asked him if he wanted a message read. He said he's he said you could read you could read my resume. He's looking for a job. Um, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. If you're looking to hire Contact yeah. Caleb, he'll forward you Ben's. Ex exactly. All right. Um, so with all of that out of the way. So this is from, why do I not have it? Oh, Abide in the Word. There is a, a YouTube channel. Now, I don't know why anybody would do this. This is, this is a personal like pet peeve of mine. 
but there is a YouTube channel and a podcast already called Abide in the Word by some guy, uh, Pastor Gilchrist, okay? And it's well-known. His YouTube channel has like 40-plus thousand subscribers. And then there's this other guy, Adam. I don't know his last name. I could not find it for the life of me. I went to his website, abidenme.com, you know, or whatever it is, uh, abidentheword.com, abidentheword.com. That's what it is, abidentheword.com. Looked all over, could not find who this guy is. Now, this might not be uh, Adam's uh, intent. However, I always find it interesting when you can't find any information about a person who runs a ministry or a YouTube channel. Why wouldn't you say who you are? Maybe some people might say, well, I'm trying to give all glory to Christ. That's fine, but you should at least let us know who you are so that we can try to determine things about you. Like, are you educated? Are you just some guy with a microphone and an NIV? Or have you done some actual research? These kind of things. Anyway, the point is, is it looks to me like people are hiding when they, when they won't give their name and who they are on uh, ministry websites. I'm not accusing Adam of that. Maybe that, that is the case, but maybe he just hasn't thought to put his own bio up. Anyway, Abide in the Word is the, uh, is the YouTube channel, not the one with 40 plus thousand subscribers, but the one with like 4,000 subscribers. His new video is called How to Refute False Hebrew Roots Theology. Now, normally, as our audience knows, when people just put up things on Hebrew Roots Theology and then attempt to dismantle Torah observance for believers, we usually don't address it. And the reason why is because it's offensive. Honestly, we uh, are not part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. We have uh, spoken out against the Hebrew Roots Movement many, many times. However, in this video, Adam actually says Hebrew Roots Movement or any Christians who keep to want to keep Torah or any people who want to keep Torah. So I figured, okay, he's included us in this. Let's respond. And I've clipped two things. One is, now this, I forget how long this is. What, what was it? Half an hour, 45 minutes long, an hour long, something like that. Anyway, it's a long video. I took the first three minutes of the video. I clipped it down to two minutes and 35 seconds. So I did edit this just a little bit. He reads the verse and some other things that I took out. He's talking about Matthew 5.17. I also clipped the very end when he's talking about how horrible and uh, uh, what liars uh, we are. So um, here's the first clip. Well, not we personally. Uh, so we're, we're self-identifying with his, the group that he's attacking. He doesn't mention Messiah matters, correct? Yeah, but I mean, he, he does okay, not mention okay. Messiah so matters. I, I just he doesn't mention sure Messiah matters. Correct. Okay. But, but, but what he does, what he does mention is anyone who teaches that believers should be keeping the law. Right. That'd be us. Right. Okay. So. This is, he's going to turn the, the gun around for Matthew 5, 17 back at Yeah, us. that was like a violent kind of image. I was like, you, you know what? Okay, all right. You know what? Hey, man, let's, that's fine. Let's go. Many of those of the Hebrew roots movement or of the Torah keeping community will use we this are. passage right here in Matthew 5 to bring Christians under the law. They'll say, look. This means that we have to keep the Torah, every jot and tittle of the Old Testament law. And they'll say, look, since heaven and earth haven't passed away, they'll argue, uh, since we still have a heaven and earth, and since Jesus said he didn't come to abolish or destroy the law, that means that it's very much still in effect for us Christians today. And they'll say, look, 
Jesus said that not even one jot or one tittle will pass from the law. So in other words, they'll say that we have to keep every single part of the law, but yet they actually don't keep every part of the law, as I'm going to show you. I'm going to stop right here. This is a common argument, which is just baffling to me from people who, uh, from Christians who believe that the law has been done away with or that we should not be keeping the law anymore. What, what the, and I know that like, I just posted something on Twitter like two nights ago and the responses I got, there was a lot of this. There was a lot of this. The argument goes something like this. You believe that the law of Moses is still in act today? Oh yeah. Well, do you, and then they're going to list a bunch of, of things. Do you wear clothes with mixed fibers? Do you, uh, you know, do you, what are some other ones? Do you eat shrimp? Do you, you know, they'll list all these things from the Torah. Okay. As if, if you believe that the Torah should be kept now, all of a sudden you are obligated to keep it 100% because apparently what you don't believe in Christ or sure. We believe that the law should be kept. It's part of the covenant. But the idea that anyone who, uh, who believes such a thing all of a sudden magically can keep the entire Torah perfectly. And if you don't keep it perfectly, then you're a hypocrite. Of course we're hypocrites. We're humans. There's a sin nature. That's the, thus Christ, right? Yes, we are hypocrites. Everyone is a hypocrite. The Christians are hypocrites. Everyone is a hypocrite. Why? Because we say that we serve the Almighty God. We say that we that we, that Yeshua is our Lord and our and our Savior, and yet we sin. That's that's part of it, man. So the notion that all of a sudden we're supposed to become perfect is asinine. I don't understand it. I don't get where such a ridiculous uh, argument comes from, but yet we have it again right here, don't we? We have this notion that, uh, oh, well, well. One thing he doesn't address is why does Yeshua say, don't even think this? Like if, if Messiah says, don't think something, and then I, have, I see an army of Christians thinking that thought, and then teaching it, I'm, I'm like, who, whose side? Well, who am I? You know, which one's my Lord? <laughs> which one's my Savior? Whose words are the words of life? Are God's words? Um, I'm going to side yeah. with Yeshua. You know, but the po- I, the point is, is it doesn't matter what I do or don't do. The truth of the Scriptures stands, and the truth of the Scriptures yeah. is that Yeshua has told us that the Torah is not done away with. So it doesn't matter if if I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter if I keep the Torah or not. It doesn't matter if I, down the road, if I were to reject the Torah altogether and say you can do whatever you want, it would not change the fact that the Bible does not teach this. The Bible teaches that the Torah is an act today and that we should be keeping it. So what a horrible, asinine argument. And his whole argument is essentially based on this, yet he's going to go a little deeper and we're going to listen to the rest of it. Let's go every part of the law, as I'm going to show you. But Jesus goes on to say, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And you may say, hey, this just bolsters their argument even more. No, let's look at it more closely. This actually stands in opposition to their false theology. You see, Jesus said that not one jot or tittle 
will pass from the law. So this is what you need to ask them. This is the first thing you need to ask them. The, the law keepers, the Torah keepers. Do you still keep the sacrificial laws? Do you still sacrifice animals? And of course, they're going to tell you no. And the reason is because a temple, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So they're going to say that they can't carry that out, but they try to do the best they can. So they try to keep as many of the laws as they possibly can. They obviously can't keep the sacrificial laws, but they try to keep all the rest of them. But yet you see, Jesus said not one jot or tittle will pass from the law. So if you look at the sacrificial law, the sacrificial system, that made up at least 150 or so of the 613 Old Testament commands. The sacrificial system was tied to at least 150 of the commands. So think about that. That's a huge, massive chunk. That's certainly more than just a single jot or tittle. But yet Jesus said not one single jot or tittle will pass from the law. But yet what what they want to convince you is, well, since we can't practice the sacrificial laws, um, you know, those, those we don't really have to worry about. We just have to worry about what we can do. I, okay, so I'm not sure who he's talking to. I'm not sure like what Torah observant people he's been talking to. I think he How, read a Wikipedia page though on 613 commandments. Cause yeah, that's probably, I'm not sure. What. But, the, but I, I think the, the, the point here is this, um, and you know what, maybe, maybe he is talking to some, some Hebrew rooters, or maybe he's talking to some messianics or something who, who uh, say exactly that. And the, the thing is, is that there are plenty of people, even within the, within just a, as a, the broadest theological term that we could use, a pronomian view there. And Bonson, who originally comes up with this term pronomian, he's the one who says there's a sliding scale from people who, uh, you know, just believe that, that God's law is good all the way up to people who believe that the, that there will be sacrifices again in the millennium. I'm of the latter. I believe in what the word says in Ezekiel 40 through 48, that there will be another temple built and that the prince will reign for, will, will sacrifice in the temple. By the way, I've changed my view on who the prince is, but I believe that the Messiah will be reigning from the temple in that time. So there will be sacrifices again, and believers will take part in those again. And those laws have not been done away with, and those laws are still important. And yes, believers will sacrifice again and should sacrifice again when the option is arises. But just yeah, and, and the things that God called an abomination are still an abomination, right? right? Just because, just because, let's say there's a death penalty kind of commandment, they're saying, "Oh, so you're going to kill somebody, right?" And it's like, no, no, because we, we don't, we're not in a situation where we have a godly, you know, Torah-based world, right? But that does not mean that in God's eyes, the sin is less heinous now. It's, it, it, we have to understand that when there are laws that we are unable to keep, well, I just think about the exile. I think about Daniel. For example, when you brought that up to to uh, to me and to everyone on this show, when you brought that up, that was an aha moment for me, and I use that, I use that often now. I will say, uh, since you said, and that was only what like a month and a half, two months ago. I w since you've said that, I've said it probably eight or nine times to people. I've said, well, do you think that the Torah was d done away with when Daniel was in exile? Was was that did had had the Torah ceased to be relevant? The answer is obviously not, because the temple there the temple's rebuilt. People. Continue and, and, and there's three, just three easy to remember things. One is he, he didn't want to just simply eat 
what everything that was put before him. So he was, he ate only certain things, right? Because of purity. Well, there was no temple, there was no priesthood. He prayed at the time of, of the, the offerings, even though yep. there were no offerings being offered towards Jerusalem. Yep. And during the exile, this is what God says in, in Jeremiah and Chronicles, the land was keeping her Sabbaths. That they that Israel did not keep during while they had the land under their under their stewardship. Yep. So the covenant remains. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Daniel 9, the such a powerful prayer of exile, is like, we are under the Torah. But what does he mean? We're under the curse of the Torah. It means we're still under the covenant. The covenant still abides, but we're in the wrong column. <laughs> we're not in the blessing column and we're under right. the, the curse column. Why? Because we have rejected your Torah. We've rejected the words of your prophets. You've sent prophets and we've rejected their words and our fathers and we are sin sinful and only you, Lord, are righteous. There is no righteousness for us, but you are the one who is righteous. Have mercy on us. It's a beautiful Beautiful passage, uh, Daniel nine, and it's it's what what under the law means in Paul, and they were but Paul was writing knowing that the temple's days were numbered, and he why were the temple days numbered? A he knew because Yeshua had said it so, but also because he knew that Israel was had not repented. Some masses had repented under John the Baptist. Many had followed Yeshua, but as a nation, it was just like at, at the in Jeremiah's day. It was a repeat right. of Jeremiah's day. The, the Jeremiah knew the temple was going to be gone, and that's why he was preaching about it, a, the Torah being written on the heart. Paul does the same exact thing. This this brings up a lot of of really interesting conversations that could be had. What does this say about the church that is happy to be in exile and happy to be away from the, the temple? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't, obviously, I, I have strongly affirmed that there are many, many people in the, in the mainstream Christian church today that are saved, that have true faith, okay? We are justified by faith alone, not by works. But here's the thing. What does it say about believers who don't even realize that they're in exile? Now, I was one of those people. Okay, so I'm not trying to come harsh, but what I'm saying is, does God keep us in exile? Because we don't even realize we're in exile. We're we're just happy to be doing whatever. Right. Is, does does exile mean that you're not uh, that the terms of the covenant have ceased? No, no. exile right. means the ter the covenant endures. And guess what? You're in timeout. You know, yep. you're in a bit of you're still under your daddy's household under his roof, but you're grounded. <laughs> So what, what, what's interesting about Adam here is that uh, he he talks for a half an hour. Now, I'm going to make a point about his teaching uh, after we listen to, and we'll probably skip around this. He basically hits home that uh, anyone who teaches uh, that, that you should be keeping the Torah, the law, and of course, he's not going to clarify that. He's just going to say Torah and law. I'm, I'm guessing what he means by that are the four commands that he, do, that he doesn't like, which is circumcision, Sabbath, kosher laws, and the festivals. Um, you know, all the other laws like morality in general, uh, uh, like uh, adultery, lying, stealing, uh, you know, slander, all these kind of bearing false witness, all these things I'm going to guess he, he thinks are great. 
even though he thinks that the Torah and anyone who upholds it is a liar. Um, but let's go to what he has to say at the end of the video, and then we're going to tie this all together real quick. Who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars. See, that's what these people are. These men that teach this, they're liars. He says, they're always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Some people come against me because they, they may say that I'm rebuking people too sharply or, or maybe, maybe I sound too, a little bit too harsh. But look, Paul right here says there are absolutely times to rebuke people sharply. Bro, do you even exegete? And this is one of them. This is what he said, that these people should be accursed, that he, that he didn't even submit to them for one hour. Think about that. Again, the people that teach this. Hang on just a second. I'm going to fast forward this because it's two minutes and 55 seconds long. I'm going to go towards the end because he says some interesting stuff at the end here. Let's just take a listen to this. He's it. Yeah, but wait a He's minute. Okay, He's real our... quick. Sorry. Yep. His, where he's citing Titus, <laughs> one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Paul is rebuking that guy. I know. That's why I said, do you even exegete? Paul... Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Bro, do you, even, do you even exegete, bro? <laughs> I just clicked for me. I had to look it up. I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Paul's saying Paul would never take an ethnic group and, and do a blanket. Like that's Paul saying that's a problem when someone takes an ethnic group and condemns the ethnic group that is anti-gospel. Why? Because from every tribe, every tongue right. will come the believers who confess Yeshua. So his, when he is, says the testimony is true, he's saying it's true that one of their prophets made this is teaching this false thing. He's not affirming <laughs> the fact that all Cretans are liars. Could you imagine, Paul? All Cretans are liars. That means everybody who lives on the island of Crete, like, why would they go preach the gospel there in the book of Acts? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What an idiot. Yeah, that's Sorry. The, but yeah, that's the point is that this guy has, it, it, he, he's, he's all over, he's, and actually he brings in, he brings in Hebrews, which he has, uh, he has still, he's, he's woefully misinterpreted. Um, and the point is that he's, he's all over the place. He, he, he hasn't exegeted anything correctly. And because of that, he maintains, uh, this really, really poor exegesis of, that's, if you want to call it that's that. bad. Of the scriptures. Okay, hang on. Let's listen to the very end of this because he, he, he goes further. I the sacrificial laws. No, you don't. Do you teach them to other people? No, yes. you don't. The thing is, is that Hebrews goes on to say that Jesus is our sacrifice. And, and there, there is no more sacrifice for sins. He's it. He's our everything. He's our, he's our Sabbath. He's our circumcision. He, he circumcised our hearts. No, we, see, we don't circumcise our skin anymore. No, we circumcise our hearts. What's interesting about this is that in the Tanakh itself, I mean, uh, people who become covenant members and truly love God are circumcised of heart. Deuteronomy, that's the Torah. Right. Circumcision of the he's, heart is when God will from circumcise your hearts. Right. So that's, that's, uh, that is new covenant terminology from the Torah. And Jeremiah 
expands that to help us understand. That means he puts the doing of the of the Torah is becomes the priority of our heart. That's when it says in Romans two, it shows the 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 doing of the Torah is written on their heart. Um, I I think yeah, that there, I, wow. okay. Two, two things here. First of all, let me finish my point, and then I'll address the uh, chat room. At no point that I could find in this uh, entire video does our friend Adam here ever explain what he thinks Matthew 5, 17 through 19 means. All he says is that anyone who teaches you that you should be keeping the law is a liar and he's accursed. Well, according to Matthew, Yeshua, Jesus is the one who taught it. He's the one who said it. I, I have a suspicion my suspicion is that it, he could come from a position that uh, is attributed to Martin Luther, which is this was before the cross. It's possible. So Caleb, chronologically, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Yeah, but Paul in, so in 2 Timothy 2.16, there. Second Tim, in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says that all scripture is uh, is profitable for reproof. Well, that would include the t like all of the Torah. So anyway, Matthew the point five. is, is, yeah, that, that's right. is that our friend Adam here basically has called Yeshua a liar and a curse because he's telling believers to keep the Torah. I, so, and I have to assume that that's the position that he takes since he has no interpretation himself on Matthew 5, 17. Uh, let's, let's calm, let's calm the chat room down for just a second. Um, just so people understand what's going on. Uh, the, the term 613 laws is a rabbinic, uh, it's made up. It's there, there's multiple different discussions within the rabbinic literature of how many laws there are. And finally, is it Rambam, uh, or Rashi? I'm sorry, Rashi. He settles on 613 and he writes a book on it. And because of that, it's been solidified in rabbinic lore as 613. However, the, well, the, 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 there is a gematria. So I think it's an Exodus, the go. 10 commandments has 620 letters. There you go. When 620 is is the uh, gematria for keter, which means crown. And they're like, well, if these were the commandments, we still have to give seven to Noah. So they, sub they subtract seven from the 620 and that leaves 613. But Caleb's right. They don't agree on, <laughs> they agree they're 613 because they received the midrash, but it's like, okay, but then they argue about which ones are included and which ones are not, because there's clearly not literally 613. Right. With it's that said, literal. when people like Shekel in the chat room start saying things like, "We, you should learn the 613 commandments, I understand what they're saying. In fact, even in scholarship, uh, we heard several times at the ETS this from good scholars, they'll refer to the 613 commandments of Torah. Now, that doesn't mean that they, that they haven't, I mean, maybe they've understood, maybe they haven't, that's not their focus of study. Maybe they haven't ever heard that it's just a arbitrary number that was made up from Gamatria. Uh, that's fine. I, I don't. I, I try not to be too uh, too dogmatic on this. However, with that said, the reason that there is a discussion in the chat room at all is because people have listened to this show and probably done some research of their own and realized that the number six thirteen is a Gamatria number. It's an arbitrary number, and that there's not actually six hundred thirteen commandments in the Torah. There's either less or more. However, you personally want to look at it. But the point is, is that the laws of Torah, whether there's 613, whether there's 10, whether there's however many you want to say, are still an act for believers today. That's our point. Okay. 
I think we are going to leave it there. Uh, if you have things that you'd like us to talk about, please send them in to us. We would love to... Okay, hang on just a sec. We have a we have a we have a response. Six hundred and thirteen is generally accepted. That's true. Why? Why is it generally accepted? Six hundred and thirteen is generally accepted because the the rabbis settled because on a number. Because a midrash, yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's a number. There's not it's, literally six hundred and thirteen. Yeah, but it, because they're not gonna they're not gonna no newer rabbi is gonna tell it that the Talmudic rabbi was wrong, and the three sixty five is from a solar calendar. It's not a it's a solar number for every day of the solar year, which is not the biblical timekeeping. And 248 in the rabbinic midrash associates with every how many bones are on the bones human body. The human There's body, not right? literally 248 bones in the human body. So this is an idealized, what we call midrashic number. But you there know is what? No hey, true look, correspondence. Look, shackle. It seems like you are bought in on the 613 thing. And if that's if that's what you want to believe and what you want to accept, that's up to you. You can you can believe that. And that's fine. However, I I personally am not impressed with the rabbis gematria. I'm not impressed with the rabbis twisting of different things to try to fit things into their own theology. And so I personally don't accept such a number. However, if that's what you want to accept, that's up to you. Okay, please, if you have questions, comments, or anything else, I saw some comments about a book that I referenced, send them in to me, chegatorresource.com, chegatorresource.com. I actually do have that book in my library somewhere so I can give you a, a, uh, a title and a author of that. You can also call our comment line, 253-465-3205. If, I don't say this often enough, if you're going to call the comment line, please do us a favor, uh, leave your name. And I usually have a, a callback number, but if you want a response, it's best if you leave, tell us either to call you or to, uh, or leave an email address. Normally emails better, but, uh, that's kind of up to you. So there you, there you have it. We will start season, uh, 11, not next week, but the week after, I believe. And uh, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to season 11, and we hope that you're looking forward to it as well. All right. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. <laughs>